pro wrestling punditry because we're going to slam it into your ear holes here today. I am your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, back to host another episode of The Winkly. And today I am joined by a very special guest co-host is our good friend Justin Labar can't be here today. We are instead going to be joined to talk the news of the day by After Buzz TV's Christy Olson. Christy, thank you so much for joining us here today. Yay! Hi, Nick! It's hard to follow up that huge intro, but I'm very happy to be here with you. It's fine. It's all pomp, no circumstance for it. <laughs> it's all pomp, no circumstance to top the show. So, Christy, before we start in today, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Tell everybody about what you're doing over at After Buzz and, uh, you know, what else is going on in your world right now? Sure. Well, I think people probably, your fans probably last saw me a couple of years ago on NXT, where I worked as an announcer. I had a lot of fun before that working indies. And uh, my main gig, though, is I cover a lot of reality TV, entertainment news, all that kind of juicy, gossipy stuff here in Hollywood, red carpets and that kind of thing. But um, I always love to talk wrestling and always keep up on what's going down there. I do a great show, too, with Eric Bischoff every week that maybe some of your uh, listeners have heard before after 83 weeks. So we have a lot of fun there and um, yeah, just stay busy keeping abreast of all the news. Yeah. I know that people on our site uh, listen to after 83 weeks because we we run quotes from it all the time. So you guys get a lot of play on our site. So I know you're a familiar voice for, for everybody out there uh, like that. So uh, Chris, you bring a lot to it. We're gonna have a lot of fun talking the news today. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, And before we get into all the news here, I wanted to start off the show by sending out our congratulations as first reported by PWInsider.com. Matt Hardy, Rebby Hardy, they just welcomed their third child, another boy, to the family. <laughs> Bartholomew, Bartholomew Hardy, Bartholomew Kit Hardy, I believe is what it is. Uh, three three boys out on the compound in North Carolina. Rebby has some years ahead of her is all I'm thinking right now, Christy. Oh, yes. Uh, and she is. I've never met her, but she is reportedly a bit of a force of nature. And I think any woman who can handle all those home births, like, that's some real stuff. So whatever whatever those three boys have in store for her, I think she's probably been through the worst already. <laughs> See, here's, here's the thing. is like Matt and Jeff, right, brothers, they brought a lot. Everybody loved the brothers, but there was only two of them. I'm wondering if three Hardys, this next generation of Hardy, could be even more impactful than, than Matt and Jeff. Because there's three of them. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. The Freebird Hardy rule here, I think, is what I'm getting at. So, well, and the cool thing about this story too is that they got the big People magazine spread, like that all the A-list stars get. Yeah, yeah. Were you surprised by that? I kind of was because you don't see a lot of wrestlers popping up in the mainstream. I, of course, am always reading those magazines and checking up on those. So that was a surprise, but there were some beautiful pics there. And, uh, you know, if anybody's going to make sure that the whole world knows when their family has big news, it's the Hardys. Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, that's the thing is because uh, I'm in Chicago here. WWE was just in my backyard last week. And Matt showed up on Monday Night Raw, I believe, as uh, Attitude Era, uh, Team Extreme Matt Hardy. And that place went nuts. Like Hulk Hogan had just walked into the room or something like that. Matt is still like a, a huge name. I don't, I don't understand why they haven't done more with him, you know, especially now he seems healthy and ready to go. Well, yeah, and you just can never underestimate that nostalgia factor, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's not just nostalgia because with Matt, too, he's got that. I'm sorry. With Matt, he's got that mind, too, where, you know, he, it's not just that he can play off nostalgia. He can come up with new and inventive things as well. He can go a lot of different directions. Well, and I don't think wrestling fans feel surprised very often anymore or like they don't know what's coming. And with him, you kind of expect the unexpected, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, going back to your uh, your day gig here, talking to celebrities and stuff and red carpets. Uh, you know, is there any celebrities you meet where you're like really surprised that they're wrestling fans? Has there been any low key wrestling celebrity fans you've met that have kind of like surprised you? Mm, not really. Most of the celeb wrestling fans I meet are through wrestling stuff, so you kind of know what's coming with them. Um, so not so much. No, when I interview celebrities, they're mostly concerned with promoting whatever it is they want me to know about. Sure. <laughs> so we don't always get to that fun stuff, but, yeah. um, mm. yeah, there are, there are a lot of celeb wrestling fans out there. Oh yeah. I'm always very surprised. So that's the only reason I was asking. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Congratulations again to Matt and Rebby. Uh, we are going to get to the news here in just a second. After the news, uh, we have two more big interviews uh, to drop for you here to wrap the week up. Uh, this is actually a tandem interview here today. we got two different interviews that actually play off of each other pretty well here. The first interview you're going to hear after the news is the interview I did uh, with former WWE superstar Abraham Washington. He now goes by Reverend Jeremiah Constantine. Of course, uh, Abraham uh, was uh, unceremoniously released from WWE after making a uh, crude a uh, rape joke. So anyway, I didn't really know what to expect this episode uh, from this interview. I don't really know Abraham. Uh, I do like the character he's doing here right now, but I wanted to have, I tried to take all the, the interviews I have, Christy, and turn them into a conversation about something at some point. And this one is, I feel, a, a conversation about um, handling uh, a, a controversy in pro wrestling. Like, what is it like to be in the eye of the storm when you misstep like that? What do you learn from it? And how do you try to move on from it? And I think this is a really good interview for that. And I hope you like it, Chris, if you get to listen to it later. And I hope you guys all out there uh, enjoy listening to it. Because I was uh, really a big fan of some of the things Abraham said in this particular interview about that process. Um, and then yeah, that's a very important conversation to be having right now. And I think one that a lot of current wrestlers should probably tune in and take some notes on, right? Yeah, you know, that's the thing, Chrissy. And because this could be a very unforgiving business. Not just pro wrestling, but entertainment as well. And when you make a mis mm. when you make a misstep like that, and you get ostracized, and the whole social media collapses on you, and and you watch some of your friends kind of drift away, where do you go from there? How, how do you how do you prevent that? First of all, how do you prevent that? But second of all, what do you do once you're in that situation? Uh, it's it, it's really rough. I think everybody can kind of relate to it too, on some level, even if the world hasn't completely collapsed around you. You know. For sure. And the way that you handle it after making that mistake seems to be what truly makes or breaks people, not the mistake they made in the first place. Well, there you go. He's found God now. He's Reverend uh, Jeremiah Constantine. So we'll hear Abraham here in a little bit. Uh, we are also going to hear right after the interview with Abraham from our own Andy Malnoski. He sat down with uh, Tony Atlas. Of course, Tony used to be Abraham's co-host when he would do the Abraham Washington show on WWE ECW. So we're bringing the band back together here. And I want to thank Andy for going out to 80s Wrestling Con and getting that interview with Tony. If you like that interview, you can also go over to our YouTube channel. You can find it in video form as well over there. All right, Christy, all of the shilling, all of the congratulations, all of the plugging out of the way. Are you ready to talk some news you can use, news that will leave a bruise? Let's do it. Let's get bruised. Yeah, right? Boom. Uh, well, let's talk here a little bit about the two big shows last night, AEW and NXT. Uh, we'll talk about some of the uh, highlights uh, and details coming out of those shows. But, Christy, before we get into it, I've, I've never chatted with you about the Wednesday Night War. How is it grabbing you so far? Has it lived up to the expectations? Do you think one brand is excelling over the other right now? All of those type questions. I love watching it from a business standpoint. I think probably that comes from having a weekly conversation with someone like Eric Bischoff. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. But 
Um, and to be honest with you, since leaving WWE almost two years ago now, I don't consume a lot of their content just because I kind of got overloaded while I was there. Yeah. Uh, but of course, as as everyone's eyes are on this kind of Wednesday Night War, mine are as well. And I've been rooting for AEW just because... AEW is great for wrestling fans and and what they're doing and what they're making happen in 2019 Agreed. is revolutionary. Agreed. Um, but, I, but as far as NXT goes, I just, I want to see specific people that I know do well there. So for me now, I'm kind of watching with such a different eye than I did as a fan and truly rooting for people who are following their passion and the at AEW, especially people who weren't getting opportunities or, or wouldn't be without it. So it's just, it's a good thing for everybody. And the weekly competition uh, keeps fans talking and keeps media attention on what's going on. And so it's kind of like, I feel all publicity is good publicity and whatever happens with either show keeps everybody's attention. Now, as, a, as kind of somebody who watched it with a more educated eye, Christy, doesn't it feel more fun now, though, than it did like eight weeks ago? Because there was certainly something to uh, the fresh launch, right, Th that first week. But everybody was super friendly, right? WWE sending out these congratulatory press releases. AEW is like, we don't want to try to go at them. We're just happy for everybody. I feel like now that we're entering the ninth, you know, tenth week, that, that's kind of going away a little bit, and everybody's stepping up and really trying to start digging in and putting on that fight to, to have the better show. I've, I've definitely noticed, I thought, I thought last night I thought there were strides, but in the past few weeks, especially with NXT stepping up as they have, it's, it's become more entertaining for me in the past few weeks. Yeah, um... <clears throat> You know, you're gonna mm. you're gonna help me <laughs> anyway, so I might as well just admit I I I purposely have not sat and watched uh, NXT, you know, every week start to finish. Sure. Uh, but what I really keep track of and what I kind of get in the know about is how the fans are reacting. Yeah. And um, every every night I see two battling after show panels at AfterBuzz TV, the AEW panel and the NXT panel Ugh. sitting right next to each other yeah. watching on the TVs. And, um, you know, the AEW bunch just always seems a little more excited and into it. Yeah. And that kind of tells me everything I need to know about the people who are actually watching and taking in these shows uh well let's talk a little bit about the shows uh last night on dynamite i jumped out of my seat uh watching the show uh melanie cruz uh a popular female wrestler she's been to japan she's been all over the states she's from here in the chicago midwest area uh she debuted as a fan from the audience that was pulled out uh by awesome kong and brandy Rhodes. uh she uh had her hair cut uh, reminded me a lot of the Straight Edge Society stuff uh, that CM Punk did yeah. um, back in the day. And she's now bald. She's joined the Nightmare Collective, which is, I guess, the name for Brandy's new uh, new group with Awesome Kong. And uh, I can confirm, yeah, M Mel is signed with the company, and they put up a photo of her with, with Kong and Brandy backstage. Uh, she's a powerhouse. Uh, she's a great person. She's a mother. Um, she's just great. I'm very happy for Mel to be in this position. She's She is the epitome of what you were just saying, Christy, about – a lot of wrestlers who have a lot of talent that just would not be getting chances otherwise. I literally couldn't believe I saw her on my screen, and I, I can't believe it's happening right now. I'm, I'm just very, very happy for her. Um, did, did you catch yeah. this segment? What did you think about Mel joining the group? And what did you think of Brandy's promo kind of setting the stage for the Nightmare Collective? Yeah, so I did catch this. And again, this is one of those we don't get surprised very often anymore, and this was a shocker. I thought the way that it played out initially, Brandy's promo was fantastic. I mean, but that's to be expected, of course. And 
fans, I think, didn't know really what to expect from her and Awesome Kong and and what they're trying to do with the Nightmare Collective. Sure. So that kind of set the tone. I thought that the part with Melanie was a little bit rushed. It almost seemed too easy. It almost seemed to happen too quickly. I think it was such a great moment and it could have been milked a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Man, Melanie just looks like a badass. I don't know if we can swear here. Sure, you can say whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> but she looks like she looks bad as heck with that shaved head. And um, I, you can almost feel the energy from those three women when you look at that picture. And I think big things are to come from them. But they could have got been given a little more time with the actual segment. I, you know, and I, I completely agree with that. And I did get chills looking at that photo. And I've, you know, I've always known Mel with hair. Seeing her without hair, very different. She scares the crap out of me, you know. But one of the things I noticed <laughs> on Dynamite last night, um, when they would go to the split screen commercials, they were definitely trying to do more action on the in the ring when there was that split screen because they did the Mel head shaving during commercial break. They did the table spot with Nyla and the spot where they recreated Britt Baker's, you know, recreated cutaway from from War Games. Uh, that was during yeah. the commercial break. And then they had Trent Beretta beating down Phoenix during the commercial break. They obviously made a conscious choice last night to try to do big action through the break that didn't get people to get up and go to the bathroom or get some chicken out of their fridge or something like that. And I think that may be to satisfy advertisers, sure. of course. Mm-hmm. You know, their viewership has, has been good, but it needs to continue to grow as far as a, a cable show goes. You know, they're not at the top of the evening yet. And so showing those big moments and keeping people around through the commercials is going to keep all the money coming in. And that's super important. But, I mean, don't we want to see – didn't we want to see some of those things happen during the regular show? Yes, you're you're absolutely right. That Mel segment with her getting her head shaved bald, if they'd have milked it and they'd have put it on TV, I think would have great. The, the, the Trent Phoenix stuff, I'm sure they're going to go somewhere with it. They didn't even recap it, you know? So I was it was a little bad. I mean, I understood the method, maybe not the madness, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I know they have to kind of push the social part, too, that they've been big. AEW has been successful on YouTube and with their social media. So releasing those clips in that way after the fact can be effective, too. But, man, that's what we watch for. Yeah, I know. 3D chess. I don't understand, right? To me, it's just like, why can't we do it? It's just you put it on TV, right? You don't do a commercial. What's the Internet? I don't know. Um, (laughs) uh, Well, also last night over in NXT, uh, Moro Ronaldo returned to the booth after about a week and a half away. Of course, we've uh, we've talked at length about what happened with him and Graves. Uh, But I guess when Moro did uh, re-enter full sale last night and was given his introduction, full standing ovation, big mama Mia chant. Um, This is, I think, the last of this this last bit from this news story we're going to have. Having been there, what did you think of uh, what happened here with Moro and Corey and uh, the resolution we're getting here with it now? I'm honestly surprised that both WWE and the fans have been so patient with Mauro Ranallo um, and what he struggles with on a daily basis. They absolutely should be, but I'm honestly surprised that both the company and the fans are. Um, What happened with Corey? I mean, that's how the business works. That's what happens. We see a lot of the wrestlers coming for each other on social media, doing storylines and that kind of a thing. And, you know, why shouldn't the commentators be able to get in on that as well? Agreed. Uh, Corey is allowed to have an opinion. You know, a lot of people who work for WWE don't really have that luxury of being able to share their opinion without consequences. He is one of them. 
Um, and so you can't fault him for taking advantage of that when he sees something that he felt was, um, you know, not fair to the other commentators. Of course, everyone loves Morrow and they're, and they're going to, and that's good. And they, and they should, I was, I've been shocked, uh, as he continues to be open about what he struggles with, that he was still on social media. Agreed. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Was, was always just surprised that he continued to, um, interact with people who were coming at him both negatively and positively, you know, and I think social media isn't a place where most humans should be, you know, most of us can't really handle what goes on there, unfortunately. And, um, you know, if it's something that affects your life that negatively and affects your illness that negatively, I think it was kind of a no brainer to me that maybe he should eliminate that from his life. So I hope that having done that, I hope he's finding some peace and I'm sure the fans will still find a way to make sure he knows they love him, which they did when he walked into full sale on Wednesday night. Yeah. That had to be a great moment for him. And uh, yeah, I am happy to see he's back to work and, and I couldn't agree with more on everything you just said there, Christy. It's a, it's a, it's a wacky business and uh, you know, whatever you need to do to create the space to get through it, you know, do your thing. A lot of people, a lot of wrestlers that I'm surprised sometimes don't do social media stuff. You know, they just kind of stay off it. So it took forever for punk and Joey Ryan to really embrace this stuff. So anyway, um, all right, let's uh, fine with that. Yeah, exactly. And I agree. Most people probably better off without it in their lives anyway. It's a pretty negative space <laughs> by and large. Um, all right, let's go over here to uh, an interview Mike Bennett did. Or Now, you may better know him as Mike Kanellis from WWE. Uh, he was on Swings and Miss with Jennifer Decker. Um, and uh, here's a couple quotes that he had talking about his kind of current situation he's in with WWE. Uh, on the WWE storyline he just did with his wife, Maria, where she was terrible to him, uh, she said, uh, a quote he said, if they say, I have to be emascul- emasculated by my wife, I'm like, fine, I don't care. I get offended when it doesn't go anywhere. Uh, on if he's holding a grudge against WWE, he said, I'm not mad at WWE. They treated me wonderfully. They still do through addiction. Maria's pregnancy, they've taken care of us. I have nothing but love for that company. It's just personal. I just want to go and wrestle. And lastly here, on his future with WWE, now that he has openly asked for his release, he says, if WWE calls me tomorrow, they want me to They want to put me on the show, I'll do it. If they call me and say, see you later, that's cool. I'm perfectly at peace with whatever I have to do. I signed, a, I signed the contract. Then I went to Twitter and said what I said. So whatever happens from here, I'll take responsibility. Um, this kind of plays into the larger story, of course, Christy, about the business of wrestling and how these independent contractors get treated. Do you think that um, as independent contractors, they should be allowed to leave if they want, or do you understand wwe keeping people held down how do you feel for mike in this situation uh this this is a really tough one because i do see um both sides of course wwe when they're investing in someone and they're building someone up and giving them tv time yeah they of course feel partially responsible and for that person's success so if that person then leaves you know in the next day and goes takes that popularity to another promotion, you can certainly understand why WWE would want to prevent that from happening. That being said, um, I don't think there are any more passionate people in any business than wrestlers in professional wrestling. And when someone like uh, Mike Kanellis just wants to work and he's not being given that opportunity, even though, as he says, he was being treated well and they were patient with him through his addiction struggles. At the end of the day, he's still a wrestler. 
And that's what he wants to do. And he has to decide, as they all do, as you know, the announcers and commentators and everyone who works there has to decide almost on a daily basis whether it's important enough to stay there and try to get that big opportunity with WWE or try their hand somewhere else. Do you think do you think that this is the right tack to be taking if you're if you're genuinely trying to leave the company? Because it's, it's definitely something I think about when I go back and I, I look at what happened with ACH and the Jordan Miles situation. He wanted to get out and he was able to get out. And the way he was able to get out and go back to doing what he really loved was to have to absolutely burn everything down around him in order to get it. I mean, literally turn himself into a ball of fire that they didn't want to hold on to anymore. You know, when you have these guys like Mike come out. Uh, or, or Luke or whoever, and they just say, well, I'd like to leave, but I understand if they want to keep me. That kind of puts the ball in WWE's court to say, cool, well, then we're going to keep you, right? Um, I do wonder if there isn't something to the burn it all to the ground mentality if you genuinely want to leave. And I think it's very unfortunate that if you, do, if you, if you are unhappy where you are, that's the, that's the route you, I feel like you have to take to, to move on from WWE. It's just a, it's a weird conundrum. That, uh, uh, it, I just keep going back to how he was able to actually do it and if Mike Kanellis had come out here and said, this is horseshit that you're making my wife go out there and treat me like this on national television and emasculate me and this is a terrible workplace, he'd, he'd probably actually be out uh, at Beyond Wrestling or wherever he wants to be within you know a month. You are 100% right. <laughs> I'm sure about that. He would have to do that. Yep. And of course, someone like him, you know, it's not worth risking his reputation or maybe causing irreparable harm to his own image to do that. Uh, but I, does um, it Someone though? like a George Miles didn't have much to lose. Dude, but that's the thing is, does it though? Like, it, it, I think it, I think that there is a certain segment of fans that will double down on you, right? And will buy all your shirts if you go that route. And I also think that, if the understanding is I am only doing this for show because I want to get out of my contract, I think that there are a laundry list of other promotions where you can go make money right now that will help you offset whatever you were making, unless you're making like Randy Orton money or whatever, John Cena money. I think that you can make that. I don't think I don't think that acting like that affects your credibility. I don't I don't really think it does. I, I think that I think people are pretty quick to move on once once you get out and free. Yeah, I guess you're right that fans uh, maybe do gravitate towards that a little more. And I can't believe that my feelings are kind of uh, standing up for WWE side in this. But I do want to remind people, I think because I went through this myself, that you sign a contract. You know, you it's all there in black and white that they own you. You can't do anything else. And I know for myself, I was so excited to sign that contract that I didn't give two thoughts to giving up everything and giving up that freedom and giving up being able to go somewhere else if I wasn't happy yeah. um, until it was too late. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I, it's, you know? it's just one of those, it's just, I, I've looked at the routes that everyone's taken to try to get out of their contracts or whatever. The only one that the outside of the Jordan mile or the ACH one that seemed to be able to scot free walk away was Dustin Rhodes. And I, you know, there's a, a, a dozen different reasons. Or I guess Sean Spears as well. I don't know why they let Spears go. But with Dustin Rhodes, um, I can think of a litany of reasons they probably were more lenient to to let him go uh, as special case. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I think there's certainly if you really want out, if you really want to go out and do your passion, all you want to do is wrestle. I don't buy these kinds of quotes unless he's trying to protect Maria. Or I don't know what he's trying. I don't know. Three dimensional chess. So. Well, let's remember that he is still getting paid during all of this by WWE. So it's it's really easy when you're still getting that paycheck to say, yeah, I'd be fine if I wasn't getting that paycheck anymore. Sure. Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, and one of the things that uh, ACH did 
um, while under contract that a lot that surprised a lot of people was he started accepting outside work and started laying the tracks for what he was going to do the moment he was released. And uh, I've, I've definitely talked to friends that have said that um, by accepting dates while you're not being used by the company that you were signed as an independent contractor for, it shows that you uh, can be making more elsewhere and gives you more credence to be released from your contract. So I don't know if it was just the burn it to the ground type mentality as much as, you know, he also took proactive steps to show if you're not going to use me and I can go out and show that I'm taking bookings and making more money elsewhere, which, by the way, Mike Canales shortly or Mike Bennett right after he asked for his release, he also said that he was going to start accepting um, it was like uh, mentoring bookings or like promotional bookings where he's like, as long as I'm not wrestling, fly me out there. I'll come talk to your locker room. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if that's another route. If you're genuinely interested in, in moving on, starting to lay those as you're an independent contractor, if they're not using you, you're sitting at home, you can do whatever you want. Start taking other bookings, start building that business outside of it. And uh, I wonder if that helps lay tracks as well to moving on to the next thing. Yeah, because that's a good look, right? That proves that you really just want to do what you're passionate about, not that you're mad about not getting TV time. Right. Right? Yeah. So anyway, there you go. Look at WWE contracts. Latest on our minds. Um, Let's talk about somebody who's still very much with WWE. Uh, Corey Graves chatted with uh, The New Day here for the latest episode of his After the Bell podcast. Of course, The New Day have their own podcast now on the WWE Podcast Network. Uh, he said that uh, Kofi Kingston is a lot more level, or this is Big E who said, Kofi Kingston is a lot more level-headed than maybe anyone else that I've met in the business because everyone else would have reacted. Actually, I was a rate, I rate when I found out about it, and that is a testament to Kofi. Of course, he's talking about the quick loss Kofi had to Brock after uh, uh, losing the WWE Championship. He, he went on to say that the title run for Kofi was definitely big for the New Day, and he really went out of his way to put over Daniel Bryan, who was Kofi's real first big challenger, uh, for allowing Kofi to pick up a win over a generational champion. So just some uh, fun tidbits here from from that podcast. They got some buzz on the site. Um, and yeah, man, Daniel Bryan, he's the magic maker right now. You want to you get over? You want to do something entertaining? Daniel Bryan is just uh, firing all cylinders right now. And I, I completely agree, at least with that sentiment. Yeah, and again, he's kind of another guy who has nothing to lose, right? You know, uh, he knows he can do no wrong. And so why not use that to uh, put some of the guys over? Agreed, 100%. Um, Squared Circle Sirens, uh, they uh, uh, reported yesterday that WWE is going to be holding another round of tryouts at the Performance Center today. Uh, one of the names confirmed for this tryout is Arissa LeBrock. Now, Arissa is the 26-year-old daughter of actor Steven Seagal. From his previous marriage to Kelly LeBrock, uh, Arissa was previously featured in Growing Up Supermodel. It's a reality TV show. She's done various ad campaigns and runway modeling. Uh, she does have a background in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, she's trained at Paragon Jiu-Jitsu and Kickboxing Academy in California. Um, do you know anything about her? And, uh, you know, what is the process like for these performance center tryouts? I know a little about her, again, because keeping up with uh, more the entertainment side of things. Of course. Because uh, she, she has been quite successful as a model um, and has worked some, you know, has walked some red carpets and things where I've seen her around. Hmm. Um not a surprise that she would get this kind of an opportunity, right? Sure. Yeah, her dad's Steven Seagal. Right? And she's yeah. a, su- a supermodel. She... Put all these things together. Sounds like WWE to me, yeah. Right? I can't believe that it didn't happen sooner, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. But she's gorgeous, and she's something different. And I do really have to applaud them, 
you know, with what's happened the last few years with the women's division, they're open to different looks, different body types, different backgrounds. And I mean, of course, her still, she's still an athlete and she still grew up with her dad. So I'm sure she's in peak physical condition. And um, as far as her jujitsu training, that of course can be something that, you know, a lot of women don't come into the performance center with and something that they always, that I know is attractive to them. Yeah. Um, those tryouts, man, you have never seen anything like it in your life. It is unbelievable. Um, the energy in the room, what the wrestlers are, are put through, uh, just the process. It is incredible. You know, from day one, everybody's showing up, they, they fly everybody in, they put you with a roommate and put you up in a hotel and give you the rental car. And you kind of get the WWE experience, what it would be like to be on the main roster traveling around. They want to make sure people can do that. Um, you know, you'd be shocked to find that not all the candidates show up on time on that first day. And those are the kinds of things that everybody's looking out for. Um, if the candidates are helping each other along or encouraging each other, that's something that stands out, I think, even more so than what they're doing physically sometimes. Yeah. And those couple of days are just so brutal physically. And the last day, how it always was when I was there, is they would do promos. And that was when you really got the opportunity to meet the candidates and hear their stories. And a lot of them come in well-prepared and well-coached. They know to do more than just the regular wrestling promo. Um, I'm sure Steven Seagal's daughter <laughs> probably will be giving a great one. Um, so that's really a lot of fun. And at the end of it all, they do some matches. And that is a high-pressure situation. There are only, of course, a few of the candidates who are chosen to be able to show what they can do in a real match. And getting to do that or not doesn't necessarily mean anything as far as whether the tryout went well for you or not. And then at the end, you know, uh, Cayman and everybody, they bring them all together and say, hope you had a good time. Don't call us. We'll call you. And I think there's a lot of people that leave that tryout knowing that WWE is not for them. And there's people who have never stepped foot in the ring before who absolutely fall in love with it while they're there at that tryout. And I wouldn't be surprised if we hear that uh, Kelly is becomes one of those people and whether or not she gets signed by WWE, maybe she'll be pursuing wrestling anyway. What you just described to me, Christy, is far more compelling than any of the past few seasons of Tough Enough. I mean, gen <laughs> genuinely, you know. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's, it feels more real and I'm invested in it. And I'm like, you've got this celebrity supermodel here and these other people from all walks of life. And there's, you know, an actual thing on the line, their careers, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, the caliber of athletes that are there and, um, just to see what maybe someone who is this incredible athlete, but who's never been in the ring, uh, for get into it for the first time. I mean, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. It's a, it's human interest. Um, kind of a human interest piece to watch. Yeah, the, the last time, uh, the the only time I've ever really seen that accurately represented or close to it uh, was that in that fighting for fighting with your family movie they did about Paige. They spent a lot of time talking about the performance center. I don't know if you saw that, but yeah, I I didn't. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Mm, hey, sure. let's talk about something that's pretty good here as well. Uh, Dana Brooke confirmed on the bump. Monday morning, I didn't mention this, or I guess Tuesday morning, I didn't mention this yesterday. Her and Batista, they have planned a date, though they did not specify when it would be happening. So, uh, 
This is the juiciest thing that's happened in professional wrestling in decades, I have to say. I am loving this. Ugh. Maybe uh, your podcast listeners, I don't know if they are, are the males who really love the wrestling part of this. Do they find that it, this is fascinating as I do? I think that I think that there's a lot of interest in it. You know, I, I definitely think that there's a lot of interest in it. I don't know about if I don't know if they the men find it interesting for the same reason as the women or, you know, there's a whole bunch of shades of gray in between there. But I think there's a lot of interest <laughs> from everybody there. Well, and I find it, it's just really cool that Dana and someone who's even at the caliber of a Batista are willing to put themselves out there and kind of, I mean, are, they're giving us a wrestling storyline at this point, right? Yes. Kind of taking it on themselves to entertain us. And I love that they're willing to do that, even with their personal lives, with their real lives. Like, they're really going to go on a date. They really like each other, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Data's probably trying to figure out what outfit. And Batista's doing his manscaping. Like, this is some real-life stuff. And I cannot wait to see what happens, especially now that they've made such a big deal out of it. That promo um, on the WWE show where they put all the text together and made it real saucy – I mean, that's the best thing I've seen WWE do in a long time. And I guess that was Fox, technically. Yeah. Well, I, so I'm having a lot of fun with this. And I hope that they don't um, decide that they're going to fall madly in love and therefore they want to cut the public off because mm. I need to know. No, I don't. I don't get I mean, this relationship is built fundamentally on a social media campaign. I don't see that going away. It'd be like, it'd be like taking away <laughs> being the elite. You guys have already started a wrestling promotion. Okay. You know, you can't do it. Um, in my head, though, it's still it's got a result. In something in the ring, in in my in my brain, I see they're back in L.A. They're at the Staples Center. Batista's sitting ringside. Dana Brooke comes out for her match. Something goes oh, down, yeah. you know? Something happens. Batista yeah. has to jump the barrier to defend her honor. Place goes nuts. You got to play it out, I feel. Absolutely. And, you know, Dana Brooke has never been um, one of the talent to get attention because of her personal life. Mm -hmm. But... So many other people kind of raise their status that way, you know, with total divas and that kind of a thing. Why not, Dana? You oh. know, when she was with Dolph Ziggler, they were very, very quiet about it because he was playing out the storyline with Nikki on total divas. So I think now she's probably excited that she can be like, hey, guys, look at this hot guy I begged. I wonder if the total diva, I wonder if Nikki Bell is not hitting up Dana because the total divas viewership has uh, declined over the last three seasons. And uh, if you could, if you could get Dana on there and play a little into this, um, that might be that might be something very good for that series. I didn't even thought about that. Oh yes, yeah, it it needs it. Yeah. I would tune back in for that. Um, well, Alexa Bliss, uh, she was also on Twitter. Uh, she responded to a fan who shared an old promo of hers. Uh, she wrote, "I remember a time when I was given a microphone in the middle of the ring. Good times." Oh. <laughs> oh. And so how do people receive this? Because I'm so objective at this point from trying to pretend like I'm a journalist all the time that I see, you know, I don't blame her for being frustrated. But at the same time, not everybody can be on top and be on TV all the time. I mean, what's your response to this? I mean, look, this again, it's wrestlers write things, whether she's unhappy, not happy, wants more mic time, doesn't want more mic time. I think she just knew it was a good line at the moment. Um, I also do think, though, I wonder how she feels um, watching this tag team with her and Nikki Cross play out. And, and I feel Nikki is now genuinely getting the bigger push than Alexa. And I don't think anybody could have seen that coming when these two got paired up together. No, for sure not. Uh 
I mean, the truth there is that both of those two women deserve to be, you know, probably in the top two spots on that roster. And um, I've been surprised that they've kept the tag team thing going as long as they have two. But I think with Alexa Bliss, it's that she's not going to lose her traction, right? I mean, they know that the second that they do decide to throw her back in the middle of the ring with a microphone cutting a promo, that everybody will be on the edge of their seats. Oh, man. As soon as she turns on Nikki... Yeah, as soon as she turns on Nikki, game on. I mean, she'll be right back where she was. I don't doubt that. So I think it's just a holding pattern at the moment. Um, Right. Timing of this, I can't help but think that, like, it's it's mid or going to be mid-December and then January. Maybe are we going towards Alexa Nikki at WrestleMania? I couldn't. You know what? If they did it, I wouldn't be unhappy. It'd be a a long. So that would definitely be a reason to build up. To make sure we're building Nikki up. Yeah, long, nice build for those two. Nice, uh, and and you don't have either of the women's titles uh, involved in it, so that's good. I like that. Nice, uh, nice secondary program. Uh, all right. Uh, lastly, here before we get to the interviews, PWInsider.com reporting that WWE has decided to suspend all plans for the weekly Hidden Gems editions on the WWE Network. Uh, while WWE is currently not moving, or while WWE is currently moving forward with the Hidden Gems content, that does not mean the older classic content won't be used in other ways. There's also a chance that they will resume additions to the section in the future. Uh, for the past year, the Hidden Gems section featured dark matches and other rare bouts for uh, from over the years, including matches from WWE, AWA, WCW, and others. Uh, this hasn't been confirmed, but it's possible that Hidden Gems is brought back for the tiered version of the WWE Network when it launches. So there you go. I know a lot of fans, I got. I just got a lot of messages about this in my timeline. A lot of people that really enjoyed the these older matches getting added. And I guess, you know, if they add them as a tier, I'd think there'd be an audience for it. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if that happened. Right. I think WWE themselves were probably surprised by how well those were doing and thought, oh, wait a minute, we should be doing more than just throwing these randomly on our network if they're going to make an actual weekly show out of it or something where they can give it a name and give it uh, more time and kind of more attention especially if it's going over that well with people. My guest at this time is formerly known as WWE superstar Abraham Washington, but he has now reinvented himself as a wholly new persona. It is Reverend Jeremiah Constantine. Jeremiah, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Well, I want to thank you for having me on the show. It's always a blessing, you know, everything that we do, blessed by the hand of God, so it's all good. I agree. Well, hey, you know, uh, I wanted to ask before we get into everything else. You know how we haven't? I haven't seen you in a while. How are you holding up physically, mentally? How are you doing these days? And I'm doing great. You know, uh, just been staying active. Currently, actually, I'm preparing for a, a bodybuilding competition, an NPC competition in Fort Lauderdale. I got coming up on December 14th. So, yeah, just trying to stay focused. Damn, wow, that's intense. Uh, well, how about here in pro wrestling? So why the pivot here from Abraham Washington to Reverend Jeremiah Constantine? What's up with this? Well, you know, uh, Abraham Washington had run his course. You know, it was time for something new. A reinvention is always good for somebody's persona. And, you know, uh, just like Constantine, the Roman emperor, he saw the, the the sign of the cross in the sky, you know, he had a revelation and he it set him on a new path. So basically, that's that's what happened with me, you know. I had a I had a revelation in the sky and now I'm on another path. Nice. 
right. So, so describe to me Jeremiah Constantine. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I couldn't really tell. He's, you know, I, I watched the well, video. There was a lot of funny comments, but I couldn't tell. Is he a good guy, bad guy? I don't know what to make of this guy. Well, of, of course, he's a reverend. He, he has to be a good guy, you know. But like all reverends, you know, we, we come from a, 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 or people in general, you know, we, we, we've sinned, we've done things in the past that, uh, you know, we're ashamed of, but we always seek to do better. So uh, maybe he's a tweener. Maybe he could go either way. But at the moment, I'm striving for the best. Nice. Well, uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about, you know, like you say, you're passing a lot of people, you know, they remember you from WWE, but they also remember, you know, how you left, you know. So when you left WWE, do you feel it was because of the joke, the Kobe Bryant joke you made? Or I've, I've read elsewhere that you said that it was because, like, you tweeted about Linda McMahon's Senate campaign or something like that. You, you know, um, I, honestly, at that time, I was very upset. I, w I was hurt. I was shocked that I was released, you know. So I said a lot of things that are um, very unfortunate. You know, I regret having said those things. You know, I've since apologized to WWE, and uh, I put it all behind me, and I just try to, you know, just clean slate, you know. And um, But I'm very, very regretful for that stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, that's the thing. So yeah, it was you, you and, and I'm not exactly sure exactly what it was. You know, at the time I was kind of reaching for straws, you know, whatever I felt like had been the offense, you know, but hey, it was uh what, seven years ago, so uh at this point I can't even say. Yeah. Well so you understand why people were so upset about the Kobe Bryant joke, right? That's not lost on you. Why why it got the reaction. No, no, of course uh, of course, you know, it's it's race, you know. <laughs> I, I get it, you know, so, I mean, I, I get it, you know, and it, it was a regretful comment, and, hey, yeah. I apologize, and hopefully can move on from it. Yeah, well, um, you know, in your video, the Jeremy uh, Jeremiah Constantine video uh, that, I, that I got to watch, uh, you took aim at another, <laughs> you took aim at another WWE personality, or I guess now former WWE personality as of this morning, uh, who decided to vent their frustrations uh, in a very public way. And and that was ACH. Uh, what issue did you have with the way that ACH handled himself through his controversy? Honestly, I don't have a problem with the brother. It, w it was just one of those things, you know, I saw, yeah, I kind of mirrored myself, you know, using social media to, to vent against your uh, employer, you know, and I felt, I felt the brother's pain, you know. Uh, he felt like he had been wronged in some way, and he took his frustrations out on social media. And by me doing the video, you know, of course, it was, you know, I was being funny. It was comedy. I don't know the brother's situation. The only thing that, that I know about is what I've read, just like everybody else. But, um, you know, I just, you know, was just poking fun, making light of the situation. But, um, yeah, I don't. I don't know exactly every the details of what happened, but yeah, I just saw another individual, you know, going off on social media, and I realized that, uh, brother, you might be making a mistake. So uh, that's that's not the way to do it. If you want to take a look at my example, it's, it's definitely not the way to go. Yeah, yeah. And when you had frustrations at WWE, did you feel like there were people you could go to to, to work through them, or did you feel kind of handicapped in your ability to to break through there? Oh. Um, no, 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 absolutely. You know, when I got released, it came out of nowhere, you know, so I, I, I didn't have an opportunity to speak with anyone. Uh, it just it hit me like T-boned me. So, yeah. 
but while I was there, of course, the the WWE system is great. You know, it it, it really took care of me. Um, there's always somebody you can go to if there was an issue. I could go. They 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 do the best for their talent, and you know, yeah, they they provide, man. Yeah, well, and you know, the the thing that he brought up here was obviously, you know, it sounds like he was unhappy with the way he was being treated. I mean, did you ever feel uncomfortable? with the way you were treated there because you're an African-American? I mean, did anything that he was saying resonate with you personally? Uh, honestly, no. Uh, I've never felt a racial issue in WWE. Uh, I've heard stories, you know, but I personally have never experienced it. I've never seen it, you know. Uh, so it's hard for me to be able to, to speak to that. Um, so when I saw the video, it was kind of like, hmm, okay, well. You know, and when I saw the shirt, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it it, it looked like um, it could have been the, the the whole blackface thing. But if you take that image and you put it on another shirt, any other color, is it the same thing? You know, it's just unfortunate that it got put on a, a black shirt. You know, it's like the same thing. It's unfortunate that uh, Jim Cornette used fried chicken in his joke. Oh, know? my God. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Well, like, is, I, is a little. He should have said apple pie. If he said apple pie <laughs> on the back and either other, I don't think it would have been an issue. But fried chicken, yeah, that was, yeah, huh. yeah. I did a sermon on that too. So yeah, man. Yeah. man. And well, that's the thing is, so like when you see the cornet situation playing out, I'm sure that you have a unique point of view as somebody who else who's kind of you know said something that that they regretted later on. The only difference was you were on a live microphone on live TV. Cornette, that was a pre-tape. <laughs> they listened to it, and they released it, you know? Yeah, yeah it's crazy that I can be compared to both of those situations. Man, I, I really messed up, didn't I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I really blew it, boy. You can compare me to everybody that's messing up right now. You can bring up, oh, yeah, Abraham Washington did that. Yeah, he did that, too. So, oh, man. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. That's, why, that's why I needed God in my life. You know, I had to change everything around and... You know, get get a get a new path going. But uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that he said that. Um, once again, though, you know, I I kind of I, I feel for him. I don't feel that the joke, his comment was was racially insensitive. You know, he's made that comment a few times, and nobody said anything. So whatever it was that set it off this time, oh well, you know, when the people. When the people speak and they go off and they raise their voice, you know, uh, there's going to be a problem. So, yeah, well, unfortunately, that had to happen. Yeah. You know, so talk to me. You know, you say you're on this new path here uh, as Reverend yeah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Constantine. So where do you want to take that path? Yes, you know, where where are you looking to go? What what companies have your attention? Well, currently, um, I'm located in Fort Lauderdale. I've been working out of Coastal Championship Wrestling. I've uh, worked through a a few different personas. Yeah, this is the one that uh, I feel I want to invest my energy into. And um, hopefully I'll be able to get something going here within after this competition that I have coming up. You know, I'm currently prepping for that. That's my main priority at the time. But after that, you know, who knows whatever happens. I would love the opportunity to get back on television and do what needs to be done. You know, AEW is doing great things. WWE, you know. We shall see. Uh, I don't know. The door's open, at least on my end. And I'm just would love to get back out there and actually get in the ring this time and, you know, show the world what I can do. Yeah. And, you know, uh, when you say show people what you do, you know, when you came back and, and were working uh, your last run at WWE, it did get cut off all of a sudden there. 
Was there were there more plans that you had for the Abraham Washington character? You know, where did you want to take that character? Uh, you mean as the when I was managing the primetime players? Yeah, yeah, because I feel like your gimmick kind of got rolled over to Titus a little bit after you left. Like he started Titus worldwide and kind of moved more into that yeah, yeah. that that manager <laughs> character. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. In in my mind, you know, I've always wanted to wrestle. That's what I signed up for. You know, but when in in the industry, when you're given an opportunity, you go with the opportunity. I had, you know, I was given the Abraham Washington show. You know, I went with that opportunity. They had another one for me. They said, hey, we want you to do this. Absolutely. You know, and so, but I was hoping that eventually that position would lead to something in the ring, you know, on yeah. the house shows. We were doing certain things, but, you know, I never really got in the ring and worked a match. But uh, that's what I was hoping eventually would uh, happen at some point or another. Did you enjoy working as a manager? Did you enjoy working as a manager at least? I feel like, you know, uh, that's a role that not a lot of people get to do in WWE is work like that. Yeah, to, to a certain degree, yeah. You know, but you got to understand, you know, I, I, in Florida Championship, all we did was train, you know, in the ring. You know, it, 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 you feel, you, I felt a little incomplete. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you train to be a wrestler, but, you know, you don't, I didn't mind being a manager but when i'm watching the guys in the ring you know at the same time you know i want to wrestle too but uh you know you take what you're given and you make the best out of the situation and that's what i tried to do unfortunately i got a little too uh creative you know (laughs) and i took liberties on the mic and you know kind of backfired shot myself in the foot and here we are today now how what was the pressure like for you you know, being put into that Roddy Piper role of doing a pro wrestling talk show because there's some big, big shoes to fill. Uh, how was the? How did you feel having to pick up that that gimmick and run with it? Oh man, it, it, it was uh, that first episode was pretty rough. <laughs> you know, I think I think I had the the Bella Twins on there. First of all, I you know I didn't know when I was in um, FCW Florida Championship Wrestling. I was doing a presidential gimmick. That's where the whole name Abraham Washington came from. It was Abraham Saddam Washington. Yeah. And I was told, I was told, you know, you're going to be going up on the road, you know, and but you're going to be cutting a promo. But I had to cut a promo for Vince McMahon. And <laughs> come to find out, it was not only for Vince, but it was in, for the entire uh, room full of writers and producers. <laughs> so I needed to come up with something that I felt would, uh, you know, blow them away, you know. And so I came up with the promo and I went in, I did the promo for Vince and everyone. And at the end, Vince McMahon actually stood up. And of course, everybody else in the room stood up, gave me a standing ovation, clapping, you know, walked out and uh, John and Laura and I just came up to me and told me I did a great job. Everything was great. And I think a, a week later, I found out that I had my own talk show and I was like, oh, shit. oh, oh, holy crap, you know? Yeah. So it, that's kind of how that's how I got the show, you know, doing that promo for Vince, and he loved it. Um, so yeah, and then following behind those great uh, individuals that had talk shows, you know, I just wanted to do my best. Um, and the thing, in my opinion, that saved the show, that gave that that added that extra thing that was needed, was Tony Atlas, the famous Tony Atlas. Totally you know? gonna bring you know, up Tony. that laugh. Yeah, that? I said I was absolutely yeah. gonna bring up Tony Atlas. Talk to me about working with Tony Atlas. 
Yeah, Tony was great, man. He, nothing but positive things to say about Tony. He's he's awesome. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate and blessed to be able to work with him. You know, and just be there in general. You know, doing what I love to do and being around the environment. It, it was it was great. Man, yeah, that laugh, dude. Tony Hollis really has like a pretty iconic laugh. It's very catchy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It that laugh. Save, save me for at least uh, until the end of ECW. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I love Tony. How was it working with Vince beyond the, the audition and the standing ovation and everything? What, how, what, I mean, he's an interesting character. Vince is, Vince is uh, he's a serious dude, you know. He's, um, uh, I don't think everybody knows how to approach him, you know. He's very personable, but at the same time, you have to realize that this, that's the boss, you know. You can't get too common, you know, and, and I think that uh, that's one of the, what, what was it, man? What happened? Do you remember the situation where uh, I think Titus uh, at one point, it, it was on Raw, you know, he grabbed Vince's arm or something like that? Yeah, I know Do you what you're talking about. That? Yeah, I think he got suspended or something for that, you know, it's like, you know, I, w- I would have never did something like that, you know, but, he, I, you know taking certain liberties you just have to know that even though he's cool that's still the boss you know and you respect him he's very polite and um before the abraham washington show we would he would come out and we'd talk and we'd go over it and he'd tell me how he wanted this to be and uh yes sir yes sir yes sir and and go out and and get it done you know yeah definitely uh a genius you know it was just great to be able to work with him you know, having watched WWF as a kid and him on commentary and all these different things that he created and brought about, you know, it's just, uh, he's a, he's a plethora of knowledge, you know, Yeah, great uh, experience. Uh, well, going back to Jeremiah Constantine in the, in the video you sent that I got to watch, I guess there's a new one up here about the cornet thing. I gotta go find that one now, but, um, you, you talked also about, CM- Oh yeah. You, you took, a couple up there. You took a <laughs> you took a shot at a CM Punk uh, who kind of spoke out about you uh, after your termination. Uh, you made light of how he got his uh, his ass kicked in, in UFC. Um, what was yeah. what was your relationship like with CM Punk? Was the, is there real animus here? Uh, what's going on? Absolutely not, man. Punk is a great guy. I that like that's me. That's the Reverend. You know, I'm just being funny. You know, making light of certain situations. Uh, I've never had any issue with CM Punk. Uh, Punk, I, we weren't like really close in WWE. He kind of kept off to himself, you know. He was never rude or anything like that, but you know, he kept to himself. And um, actually, he paid for my dinner one night. So <laughs> I think it was me and a couple of the uh, the boys. We were having dinner, and then you know, we went to pay the check. And the waitress was like, you know, uh, it's been taken care of already. And then he was like sitting couple of tables behind us you know and he put his hand up and like he got it you know so that was cool i thanked him for that but wow. no i don't have any animosity against him i was just being funny you know uh i really do mean the best when i say you know congratulations on him getting back and you know doing what he feels he wants to do right now and you know i wish him the best but i was just being funny okay that, by the way that's like that's the nicest cm punk story i've ever heard ever I think I'm just like yeah, you know, yeah. I don't. Have, I, I've never had a bad experience with the guy. To tell the truth, I've never had any bad experiences in W. Like people being rude or being a dick or anything. Nah, man. Everybody was always cool. You know, the locker room. You know, 
of course you got people have bad days, you know, but nobody, it was just nothing malicious, nothing that made me say, oh man, I'm gonna have to kick his ass, you know, something like that. No, I mean, everybody worked together. We knew we had a job to do, we wanted to come together and make it happen. And that takes a team, you know, and everybody's working on that team to accomplish that goal. So, so, so I felt, it, it sounds, yeah. it sounds like you, you you enjoyed your time there. It sounds like you were well liked there uh, at the time. So when you go out there and you make this joke that catches everybody off guard and gets and gets you in some hot water, what's the reaction like backstage? Are they upset? Are they like they feel bad for you? Like how how does that play out? You know, I really when I made I didn't know that it was that bad. I got to the back and um yeah, that's when I felt the heat, you know, everybody's <laughs> kinda of staring. Uh Vince was over in his position, you know. He didn't look up or or say anything, you know. But uh, I, I was called to the back, and I was told, you know, that uh, that wasn't very good, what I just did. So, uh, yeah, and then they let me know that, uh, you know, I had uh, really messed up. And at that time, you know, I had to just sit in the locker room and think, like, oh, my God, you know, what has happened? Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it, you know, uh, that's the only time I felt like, you know, I really messed up. Nobody really said anything to me after that. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, I didn't feel like that I was like uh, blackballed or anything like that. You know, it was just that, oops, you made a big mistake. Yeah. You know, and just and just roll with the punches. Man. But, uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's certainly been an interesting journey that you've had, Jeremiah, as I'll call yeah, you now. Yeah. Um, what it, you know, I, I guess to just kind of reflect on it and kind of put a pin in this, you know what? What what have you gleaned from this whole experience, this roller coaster? Because a lot of people that get put in your situation now, you misspeak or you you say something or do something that's wrong, you get made a pariah, and it's it's very difficult sometimes to overcome that. Like, what would you like to say to everybody? What what have you learned from this experience? And yeah, what what are your goals here in pro wrestling going forward? Well, to to those people in those positions, of course, now the way things are, you know, there's just a certain level of responsibility that comes with having a microphone, whether it be live or taped, you know, you just have to be conscious of your environment and who, who you're working for, what, what, what the situation is and just honestly stay within those guidelines, you know, do what needs to be done in order to make the show as great as it can be and working within that, uh, that frame of mind, you know, but, uh, if you decide to go into business for yourself, you know, and say and do things that just aren't in accordance with your employer or benefactor, then, you know, you have to accept the consequences of what may take place. And usually that's being made an example of, yeah. you know, so I would just say, do your best uh, at what they want you to do, not what you want to do. And as far as what I want to do, you know, like I said, I would love the opportunity to get back on television uh, and uh, with this character, you know, but if the door opens for something else, then I will take that opportunity and see what I can do from there, you know. So I'm excited and just hoping for the best. I dig it, man. Uh, what What do you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap it up today, Jeremiah? Well, uh, of course, I got my new uh, Twitter handle, my new Twitter. It's uh, at Jeremiah Consta, C-O-N-S-T-A, the number three, Jeremiah Consta three. I also started a new Instagram. It's Rev.Consta, 
Jeremiah Constantine for anybody that wants to follow. You know, I'll be doing things weekly, doing my sermons. And um, oh, also, I, I have an album out. Really? You know, it has nothing. To do, yeah, it has nothing to do with wrestling. You know, I've been involved with music for uh, yeah for a few years now. So yeah, I got an album out on um, on Spotify, all major flat platforms, iTunes, and it's under the uh, the title Trap Ghoul. So if anybody wants to check that out, I, I do a lot of things. You know, it's not a uh, it's not PG. So careful. <laughs> you know, the rev. This was before my Reverend day. So I apologize. I don't want to offend anybody with that, but it's just a part of my body of work and everything that I've been working on since being out of the spotlight. Eddie Malnowski here for WrestlingInc.com in Sarah, Pennsylvania. It is another NTW great show here with WWE Hall of Famer, the great Tony Atlas. And uh, Tony, first question out of the gate. What a show out here tonight. Tell us about it. Well, you know, you know, these young kids now, you know, they, they want to make a name for themselves. And, you know, you go to a WWE show, you go to a, uh, 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 an AEW show, yeah. but them guys already on top. It's the old saying, the wolf on the bottom of the hill is a lot hungrier than the wolf on top of the hill. So these guys, they, they, they give it 110% of, of whatever they're doing. Right. A great, great bunch of guys, great show, great right. show. And uh, certainly a great show. And, and no doubt, we go back to the early part of your career and – about the best body in professional wrestling back then. Uh, one of your early feuds at WWF at the time, uh, now WWE, of course, is Jesse the Body Ventura. They call, he called himself the body, but talk about that feud. Well, you know, uh, uh, Jesse was, uh, was uh, you know, uh, I want to thank Jesse Ventura for his service. He served in the Navy SEAL. You know, he, he fought for our country. And then when we left the military, he went into uh, 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 teaching and educating himself. And not only he had a great body, Jesse Ventura had a great head on his shoulder. He was a wonderful guy. He tried mm -hmm. years ago to get a union going for the wrestlers. And, yeah. uh, you know, and later on, as you know, he became mayor of Minnesota and did a wonderful job. So, uh, you know, we, uh, we was in competition, you know, in wrestling. But, you know, as, as far as a person concerned, Jesse Ventura is a great, true American. Yeah, no doubt about it, Tony. And, you know, everyone remembers you and, and Rocky Johnson, first African-American tag team to win the tag team championships in, in WWF. Uh, technically, right? It's, it's what they build it up as, right? I know, but Rocky is Canadian. We're the ah, first, yes. first African-American Canadian yes. championship. A lot of people don't realize Rocky is uh, Canadian. Right. Yeah, he's not American. Right. Technically, right. Yeah. Technically, he's American. <laughs> well, he lived here. He got American citizenship, so I guess you could call him an American now. And uh, if, if, if he uh, he loved the country. Rocky is a great, great friend of man. You know, mm -hmm. we talked the other day on the phone. Him and his uh, his wife, uh, my wife, uh, three months ago had a stroke, and she's been hospitalized for the past three months. And uh, Rocky called to give his condolences, and his wife talked to my wife to give her uh, encouragement. So, uh, you know, great. A great friend, Rocky Johnson. Well, and, and, and certainly uh, our best wishes in recovery as well for your wife. Thank you very much. And uh, Tony, just a few more quick questions here. NCW for WrestlingInc.com here this afternoon and tonight. You know, a lot of things, you go back to your career and so many great moments. And WrestleMania 2, your pay-per-view debut with WrestleMania. And The Fridge, William Perry decides to to toss you out and obviously the fridge uh, became a hall of famer much like you uh but what was that experience like with the fridge having a football guy come in and uh and kind of throw you over the top well he was a little bit afraid of me because if you watch the tape right. you saw me pick him up 
Mm-hmm. So, so he was a little bit afraid of me because at that time I had a 800-pound squat, a 650-pound bench, and a 420-pound clean and jerk. So I was uh, ranked third in a 275-pound class. I was ranked third in the world for powerlifting. So there wow. wasn't many people <laughs> in the world that had my type of strength in my younger days. So, I think he was he was more afraid of me. I, 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 uh, he, he didn't. I didn't fear him at all. He was just a weight. He's a lot lighter than what I lift every day in the gym. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And uh, you know, a lot of history with Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. We know those stories. People out there in the wrestling world know those stories. And the ear incident. You know, we, we've talked about that in the past. And, uh, that's got to be one crazy sequence of your life and looking back on it. But well, it got blown really out of proportion. What happened was uh, we got angry at each other. We pulled the car over. Uh, Paul tried to sucker punch me. I leg dive him, took him down, and put him in what you call a crater. Every amateur wrestler know what a crater oh, is, yeah. where, where, where he couldn't move, but the only thing he could do was, was bite my ear. So later on, Tommy Rich and Bram Blair, they, they pulled us apart, and then, and me and Paul, we shook hands, and I'm driving down the road. Tommy Rich looked over and said, Tony, uh, uh, you've been bitten. So I went to the hospital to get it, uh, get it stitched up. Doctor kept me there all night because he told me a human bite is the worst bite you could get. Wow. So they had to give me a tector shot. And so that's why I stayed in the hospital overnight. But it really wasn't a fight. Mm-hmm. He threw a punch. I ducked it, leg diving, cratered him. That was the whole incident. But people make it look bigger than what they call called. As, as MacDaw Vachon said, if a story is worth telling, it's worth embellishing. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that story been embellished a lot. But me and Paul, we great friends now. We were friends then. We didn't really want to fight each other. You know, because it was only one punch thrown and that didn't make yeah. contact. And yeah. I just legged out and took him down and put him in a crater, you know. And anybody, like I say, no, it, like, you sound like you know what it is. Well, you yeah. hook the leg, yep. hook behind his head, Pull you top the other leg. Well, your mouth is right, right, your ear is right where his mouth is at. Right. So all you had to do was turn the head and bite me. So I asked him why he bit me. He said, you had me down. I couldn't move and uh, couldn't move none of my limbs. He said, well, nothing else for me to do. He said, I didn't know what you were going to do. I said, I didn't <laughs> want to hold you until you calmed down. Right. But we the best of friends. And Paul really don't like talking about it. And I don't like talking about it because, you know, right. we, we buddies, you know. Right. Well, we appreciate you just mentioning it real quick there for us here at WrestlingInc.com. And uh, just a couple more quick questions here with Tony Atlas, WWE Hall of Famer for WrestlingInc.com. Is being a Hall of Famer, and a lot of people getting their pictures with you today, your autograph, that'll never leave you. T- describe that feeling. Well... <clears throat> You know, it's, it's, it's a great honor when your peers recognize you as being so, uh, successful in a sport where we all uh, was in. But being a Hall of Fame famer, you carry a heavy load because right now I don't just represent uh, Tony Atlas. I represent Tony Atlas and the WWE. So anything that I do wrong in life, this ring would come off my, my finger. My Huck Hogan had a little incident a couple of while back, and you know they took him out of the Hall of Fame for a little while. So events would do that to Huck Hogan, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What did he do to me? He would kick me out. He would never put me back. But so that's why I try to be, you know, do what I can to give back to all the wrestling fans and WWE universe and all the people that put Tony Atlas where uh, where he's at now. Because I, I, the fans are number one. Awesome. They they are number one. Awesome, Tony. And uh, last quick question, actually 1.5. Legends House, that show on the WWE Network. Talk about Legends House. I mean, that show, There was. it seems like some guys got on each other's uh, nerves a little bit uh, on Legends House. Well, you see, that's what made it so great. None of us knew each other until Legends House. I never traveled with Piper. 
Never travel with Hillbilly, never travel with Mean Gene, never travel with anybody in that building. We got to know each other for the first time. We was complete strangers. And Vince wanted it that way to create the, the friction because if you're around your buddies that you uh, travel with, and all you're going to do be laughing and joking, there's going to be no uh, uh, incident. But we was getting to know each other for the first time. That was the first time I ever spent any time with Piper. First time, yeah, it was in Legend House and Hacksaw Duggan too. And Hacksaw the same way because see, you have what you call good guys and bad guys, heels and babyface. Hacksaw was a heel, uh, Piper was a heel, and I was a babyface. So uh, I would have lost my job if I hung out with them guys back in the day. But uh, it's kind of sad that uh, uh, we don't lost uh, two mamas already: Mean Gene mm -hmm. Oakland and uh, uh, Ronnie uh, Rodney Ronnie Piper. Piper was a great, great individual. I wish I had known. I got to know him earlier right. in the career because from what I saw of him, he was a one wonderful individual. Very talented too, could play any right. instrument. Wow. Very talented. And Jimmy Jimmy Hart, he wrote all the music for Legend Out. And he write a lot of the music for WWE. He's yeah. a very talented, another very talented musical inclined right. person is Hillbilly Jim. Yeah. So I was about the only person in the whole place that didn't <laughs> have no, no, no music right. talent. Right, the mouth of the South, right? Yeah. Is what they say, the mouth of the South, yeah. Jimmy Hart. And uh, you know, basically, um, just recently, uh, one of your runs with ECW towards the end uh, of your run with, with WWE is, tell me about Abraham Washington. Uh, Washington, we actually, <laughs> we actually, uh, what's up guys? Uh, we talked about um, his run and coming out and being such a charismatic performer and doing what he does. And uh, what was it about your guys' connection, Washington standing on WrestlingInc.com with a very own Nick Hausman, that it was your laugh that kind of kept the segment going that they did? Well, I, I don't know much about that program. That was pretty much, I just went out and did what they told me to do. I, I couldn't speak much on that program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of Vince's idea for reality show stuff. You know, I, I'm a wrestler. I know nothing right. about it. Yeah. And uh, I guess Abraham said that it was that laugh that, helped him get through some tough times too. Well, if, if, if that's what he said, then it's got to be true. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know nothing about Abraham Washington's show, but I'd say I went by a strip, so. Right, right. Well, Tony, we want to say thank you so much for here for WrestlingInc.com. It's been an honor and a privilege you to too, talk sir. with you. Any final comments to your fans out there? <clears throat> we live in a greater country in the history of the world. Now, I know we got election year coming up. Now, I don't want to get into politics because I know everybody don't already dug, dug into their ditches and their trenches and everything. Mm -hmm. But when you go out to vote, vote. When I, my mother never got the chance to vote. Uh, right. My grandmother never got the chance to vote because right. of the color of their skin. Right. So if you got the opportunity to vote, go vote. You know, always cash your vote. Don't, uh, don't complain about what's going on in the world if you don't help. We got the four branches of government. We got the, the House, the Senate, and the presidency, and the people. If you read the Constitution, it's a government formed by the people and for the people. The what is wrong with our country now? The government is doing their job. They get all the blame. The media is doing their job. They get all the blame. The ones that is not doing their job is the general public. Only 30% of Americans vote. Yeah. We got more people voting in Iraq than voting in America, and then we out, we out promoting democracy. We want everybody else to have democracy. We got it, had it, and we don't want to use it, and we lost appreciation for our country. There's nothing wrong with our uh, CIA. There's nothing wrong with the media. There's nothing wrong with, with nothing about this country. If you ever go to another country and you come back to America, 
you're going to realize you would. I think every every child should go to another country for a couple of years, so when they come back, you have more appreciation for the country you live in now. Cody Atlas, Mr. USA, saying it best right here. Sarah, Pennsylvania, NTW. We're checking out for WrestlingInc.com. Tony, thank you. Thank you very much, Christy, for joining me to talk uh, the news of the day at the top of the show. Thank you to Abraham Washington, Andy Melnoski, and Tony Atlas as well. And thank you all very much uh, for tuning in for another episode of The Winkley. We'll be back next week, Tuesday through Thursday, with brand new episodes of the show, more punditry, more interviews. If you like this show, you like all our review shows, head over to Wrestling Inc. Audio on iTunes. Give us a nice five-star rating, nice comment. All that stuff is always appreciated. Uh, use the hashtag Winkley. Uh, we'll start checking that more and more for the mailbag at the end of the week. Uh, but, Christy, is there anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the show today? Well, I loved being here with you, and I would love if everybody would tune in live for After 83 Weeks on the 83 Weeks YouTube channel. We do that Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific time. You guys can all give your questions to Eric. And also, you know, hit me up on my YouTube channel, Christy Reports, too. I always love to hear from everybody, and this was so much fun. Yeah, Christy, you were great. You're absolutely coming back, I hope. Uh, this was incredible. I really enjoyed your perspective and punditry. You're good at this. You're very good at this. Thank you. It's been a while, so I appreciate that. My pleasure, Christy. We all enjoyed having you here, and we all want Christy to come back. So there we go. I said that, and I motioned to my action figures as if they were all going to respond, and it, didn't, <laughs> it, it, it never happens, Christy. Um, I, I if it am, ever does, you may have to be concerned. It's true. Uh, I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Maybe I'll put up some photos of the action figures here later today while they're on my mind. Uh, so give me a follow there. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.